This is Nuri Shahin, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 188 of The Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, as always. And I'm joined by two guys for this episode where we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's 1-1 draw against Augsburg and preview the upcoming and last Bundesliga match of the season against Werder Bremen. And uh, before I introduce them, I, of course, have to thank our patrons. Uh, this time, shoutouts go out to uh, Adam McEnroe and Will O'Grady, who have uh, pledged us some money and pitched in to support the yellow wall and uh yeah thanks a lot you guys and yeah thanks a lot to Lars pg polman who uh, is once again on the panel hello Lars, how are you doing hi stefan doing pretty fine how are you i'm good myself uh, thanks for being here and also konstantin Eckner from spielverlagerung hello konstantin hi stefan hi how are you doing No comment. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, Lars, uh, let's start off with the news. Uh, we, we have some bad news, of course, because Julian Weigel is injured, but uh, other might suspect the uh, new jersey is also bad news. And uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on Borussia Dortmund's new home kit for the next season? Well, since I never buy... Uh, football jerseys anyway I don't really mind them not looking too great if they don't I I don't really have any complaints about this one certainly mostly because I haven't seen them on a player in action I think there are some pictures on you know the homepage but, but they look like they photoshopped the uh, new pic, uh, new jersey on old pictures of the player so we still haven't really seen or I haven't at least uh, how it really looks you know, on game day in action. And then it usually doesn't look great on uh, fans with a uh, beer belly, as we say in Germany. Uh, it doesn't really look great on a rack. So, you know, you have to see it on, on a player on the pitch to really appreciate what it looks like. And as most of the time, it will probably just be fine when when seeing it in that circumstance. So, yeah, poor, too, poor Emma. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but a, but it's not it's not a beer belly for her, it's a honey belly, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Uh nonetheless there are curves. Constantine, um is the fate in Borussia Dortmund's jersey the fate of their hopes and dreams as uh, everyone will leave this this summer. Um and also there's a message you apparently can write into the uh neck thingy. In, inside of the shirt, like, I don't know, whatever you want. So, Konstantin, what, what would you write in there? Yeah, I agree with, uh, Roman Weidenfeller, uh, because his statement is, we have a great song dispute. Grandiose song dispute, sorry. I can't even that. quote Weidenfeller. Yeah, can't even quote Weidenfeller. The leading poet of modern times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, really just fumble his, 
is create one liner uh, which he dropped a few years ago when they actually played a pretty good season, I guess, or was it after after one championship? It was know. after the first championship. After the first championship, so he was drunk and yeah. It was five minutes after the final whistle. I doubt very much that he was drunk. Maybe he, he went uh, into the match being drunk. That would explain much more about this season than that season. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, he was just, he was happy. Uh, he didn't get his English right. Um, so I f just find funny that, that uh, he will use <laughs> that one liner instead of maybe some, you know, some, some deep stuff like our players who will just, you know, sc scroll through Insta Instagram and look out for some spiritual stuff also. Yeah. Can we move on, please? And not no, talk about I, I, I want to hear Lars's line. We are having so much fun here. Uh, yeah, really, it's it's pretty pretty funny to All right. talk about jerseys. All right. No, I th I think uh, I do like. I think Weigel and Park have uh, some message uh, against racism in football in there, and I mean. If we do, or if the club uh, allows for these messages inside the jersey when nobody can read them, uh, at least they, they can have some meaning behind them. So I guess I would probably go with something like uh, Julian Weigel did. Uh, I think people can look them up on the homepage, so I don't have to do it for them right now. But as we are on the news segment, Stefan, we have some good news to share too, that Dortmund's under-19 once again made the... Bundesliga Championship Final. I mean, we could talk about that instead of jerseys and secret messages inside of them. <laughs> All right. Then, uh, yeah, why don't you go ahead and then talk about that? Borussia Dortmund will face Bayern Munich's under 19 in the uh, final, in the first leg at the Westfalenstadion on Monday, I think it is. Uh, but it's not a first leg. It's a one game or deal oh, it's, so it, it's it's a one game yeah, I, I yeah thought, the, I the thought... final is always uh just one game and it's i mean it's the the fourth consecutive final for many of the players like janice bonich uh, felix pastak a few others and the first time they get to host the game so i'm pretty sure they're pumped up for it and i mean i didn't watch the two other semi-finals of schalke against bayern uh, pretty much everyone was kind of surprised that bayern made a comeback because they lost at home i think 3-1 against schalke and then uh, turn it around in the second leg. Yeah, Schalke were 1-0 up in the second leg, and then uh, Bayern uh, turned it around. And I think Schalke pulled one back, so it was 2-2 or something, at the, or 3-2 or two, at some point, and then Bayern scored a 4-2 very late in the game. And the, the, the funny part is, and a lot of people said that basically describes everything about Schalke, is that um, Schalke missed a penalty by, uh, yeah, hitting the ball against the bar and then it ticked off against the goalkeeper and the Bayern goalkeeper could save it. And then uh, Bayern won basically by a similar penalty where the ball then bounced back from the goalkeeper into the goal, which, yeah, was marginal but also kind of funny how it all yeah took place and, and now it's going to be Dortmund and Bayern in the final. Uh, yeah. Um, I have no idea who's going to be the favorite in that game, but uh, I think Dortmund have the slightly better team in the under 19. Since well, Schalke were the 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 nominative favorites, I think, for the uh, playoffs 
uh, just because Dortmund were without many of their key players. I mean, it's an incredible accomplishment for the team to even make it so far as they have lost their coach, obviously, in Hannes Wolf in September. So in the middle of the season, uh, played the entire season without Christian Pulisic, who uh, we can remember is actually eligible for that team. Uh, had so many injuries to guys like Patrick Fitch, Yanni Zera, uh, and now Jakub Brunlasen, who had been the absolute best player on the team just by scoring an incredible amount of goals. I think he had something like 20 goals and 17 assists in, in 19 games. Or I mean, I don't quite remember, but it was truly staggering numbers nonetheless. And to make it this far... I mean, they, they weren't really playing all that well against Wolfsburg. I only watched the second leg, but I think Wolfsburg had the, the better game plan, if you like. I mean, they, they had more of the possession and, and processed the ball better than Dortmund. But I mean, to make it into the final is still an incredible accomplishment. And then for, you know, the guys I mentioned before, Bornish and Pastak and a few others who have the chance to win four straight, uh, German youth titles, that's really, quite staggering yeah and speaks for Dortmund's good work at the youth departments and the under under 17 isn't too shabby either so um yeah last do you know by any chance when the turnaround came that Dortmund's youth system yeah basically upped its game because for many years they weren't doing all too well yeah I mean historically Dortmund are one of the leading clubs in the youth department in Germany. I think they, in the nineties, they won like five straight Bundesliga championships, uh, on those teams with a lot of players who then turned out to be pretty good. And then with the near financial collapse and they, they just, I mean, under the people who were responsible for the financial collapse, uh, youth development wasn't really the, the the number one priority in the early 2000s and then when the club was almost bankrupt they didn't have the money to uh, build a state-of-the-art uh, facility uh, for the youth players and and you know build up the academy and all that only came after time and then I think once they once they had the opportunity to spend some money uh, in stones as they say in Germany and not in legs meaning uh, in infrastructure and not only in players uh, for the first team that that's probably when things started getting better. And then certainly also I have to mention the arrival of Hannes Wolf, uh, who coached in local amateur teams in, in, in Dortmund. Um, and then around 2009, I would say maybe, maybe 2010, he, uh, first came to the under 23 team and then took over at the under 17s. And, and that's the team he took over that that's now in the, in the final, uh, for the Bundesliga championship, which is also for the older ones of that team, the, their final game in the youth ranks, because they're going to be too old to play in that team next season. And we'll have to move to the senior level, whether that's the pros, the under 23s or another club entirely. Yep. I have nothing further to add. <laughs> so I guess uh, we can move over to Augsburg, which was the, was a one, one draw. And, uh, I mean, Dortmund couldn't have wrapped up third place just then because Hoffenheim beat Werder Bremen 5-3. However, uh, yeah, they could have made third place a little bit more secure, hence they need to beat Werder Bremen to make sure that they uh, have third place un unlike, un unless Hoffenheim win against Augsburg by a ridiculous amount of goals. Um, 
Lars, I think the, the biggest takeaway, of course, from this is Julian Weigel's injury. How bad is that for Dortmund? Well, I've seen so many people say that it's the perfect time to get injured. And uh, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, people have argued that it's better to get injured now than, you know, in January, which of course there's some merit to that, but it's not, A, it's never good to uh, have a substantial injury that's going to take him out of action for three to four months. And then B, you not only lose the, lose him for the Bremen match, with, which could be decisive for next season. You also lose him for the cup final and then he is going to miss the entire summer preparation and perhaps even the start of next season. Uh, so it's, it's very much, uh, uh, catastrophic injury in some senses. Uh, Especially I mean, if you consider that Dahoud will come in at some point and those two are probably going to play together in midfield and cannot gel or build any automatism at the beginning of the season. Yeah, that, and I mean, just in general, I think we could say that Weigel is one of the two or three most important players in Dortmund squad. So not having him around for presumably the, uh, a new coach taking over in the summer and then him building a new squad. And I mean, there, there's a, there's a, there's a long rat's tail of problems that ensues from that one freak incident. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't even the foul. It was just, Weigel getting his foot stuck uh, in the ground and then the the ankle just fractured and I mean um, people immediately speculated that it was a catastrophic knee injury and and you know there are some things you can tear in your knee that only take two or three weeks and he would have been fine for uh, the summer so uh, even those people suggesting that an ankle injury w was the best case they can fuck right off if you ask me. Yeah, it's 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 just sad. So, Constantine, do you think Nuri Shine will be the replacement for the next two games, the go-to guy, or do you think that uh, Tuchel might opt for someone like Rode, for example, or someone else in in midfield next to, I guess, Castro? Uh, hopefully, you won't use Rode. Actually, no, no, I think it, it will be Shine. Uh, as long as Shine can, you know, keep up and play for ninety minutes, I don't, I don't know if that's possible. But yeah, you will be the first choice and play, you know, 60 minutes, 70 minutes. Um, and then we'll get replaced by who knows? Ginter? Maybe? Or Castro? Or Guerrero? And Castro is the, the second center midfielder. I don't know, but, but Chai is the logic replacement there. Yeah, I think so too. So, yeah, I don't know how much we can actually talk about the game because let's, let's be honest, I have forgotten most about it since we're recording this on Thursday night. And, uh, yeah, this game happened on Saturday. So, last, uh, let's have a quick roundup. I think Dortmund saw quite bright in the first 10 minutes, looked like they had the game under control and then Augsburg found a way to counterattack over Dortmund's right side uh, where Ginter was caught out of position a couple of times and uh, I think Max is his name Philip Max he breezed past him with the ball and one time Birki could save with a flying save and mm, the next the next chance basically was then a tap in for Finnbogason uh, and it was one in Augsburg and then Dortmund of course had to come back but didn't So Lars, what do you what do you make of this game? You, I mean, predicted it 
to be a 1-1 draw in the recent episode. So why were you right this time again? Well, I think for one, uh, predicting away draws for Dortmund has been a fairly good strategy this season. We've talked so much about their struggles on the road, and this was another fairly prototypical Bundesliga away game for Dortmund this but, season. But last... They usually struggled most of the time when they had an English Woche, when they had like a prominent fixture ahead and then had a road game. But this time they had a whole week to prepare. Why did they still not play well on the road? Why? I don't really know. Uh, I, I only know that they didn't play well and that it felt a lot like those uh, games you mentioned after Champions League games. They had a lot of the ball, a struggle to break down a fairly defensive-minded setup of Augsburgs who were, I mean, why wouldn't they, uh, sitting relatively deep and trying to hit Dortmund on the counter, which they uh, did rather effectively with long balls behind the last line of defense. And, uh, I mean, you, you described how the goals or the, the, the Augsburg goal came about and it was basically a calm copy of the, of the earlier chance where Berkey did, uh, amazingly. And then Dortmund, one little behind, I think it was crucial to get the, the equalizer after only four minutes because uh, with all that's happened in the last few weeks, we could have easily seen Dortmund struggle to get one goal out of the game. So them equalizing after only four minutes was certainly uh, very important. And then, you know, they had a lot of empty possession for the rest of the game, a few half chances, uh, struggled to put away one, uh, you know, And then that's the the way away games in the Bundesliga have often gone for them. So it's a one-one draw for them. Uh, I think if we look at expected goals, they only scored like 1.4 to 1.1 of Augsburg's. Then again, Augsburg's goal was probably a 0.8 or 0.9 chance after the uh, parry of Berkey. So that th those numbers are a bit skewed, but they certainly uh, give the picture of another not-so-brilliant performance of Dortmund uh, on the road. And as you mentioned earlier, they could have made their jobs for the Bremen game a, a whole lot easier, but failed to do so. Yeah, of course, they still have it in their own hands, as uh, most players said after the match. Um, one player I was a bit disappointed with, although it, it might be not entirely entirely fair to him, was, Ma was Marco Royce. I thought uh, he, I don't know, went AWOL in this match. Lars, uh, is that just because of the, the type of player Royce is, or did he just have a poor day? I think he's entitled to have an off day. Uh, I think Royce has been in fairly fine form this season when he was available. I think his scoring numbers are really good. But it, for for one reason or the other, I don't know if... I mean, I like uh, Paul Fahak as a player, so maybe his matchup wasn't too favorable to him. Maybe Augsburg's defensive setup was uh, a problem for him to crack, but I mean, he can have a bad game uh, once in a while. The The problem was that pretty much everyone on the attack had a bad game. So uh, Aubameyang didn't have any service. Uh, I, Dembele didn't have his usual moments of magic. Royce, as you mentioned, was fairly invisible for I most of Kagawa the game. I thought Kagawa was decent. Kagawa uh, was probably... He and Schmelzer were my best players on the pitch, but both with, you know, a, a B minus performance and not anything super creative going forward or whatever. So yeah, that basically mirrors what I had written down in my player yeah. ratings for ESPN. So yeah, I mean, just, just overall, I think uh, that you can have such a game. The problem is that it's the, 
the penultimate penultimate match day of the season. Yes, and uh, there's still fairly much on the line. And then you obviously also had the 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 Tuchel explosion the week before or, or in the week leading up to the game. So everything was under a microscope. So I think uh, had that same game happened in March, we wouldn't be uh, slacking the team off too much. So we shouldn't do that now either. <laughs> oh, we should have them slacked them off in March as well. But uh, in in all honesty, uh, Konstantin, um, do you think Dortmund have a motivational problem when they're on the road? Is it maybe uh, the the way they approach the game that's that's wrong in their in their mindset, or do you have a better explanation? <clears throat> I don't really believe in in uh, motivational problems at that level. <laughs> so. Not Neither in, not do in I, but still, I not in the Bundesliga, you. not in the Bundesliga, especially not in, not when you're still fighting for uh, rather important uh, spot in the Champions League. So being qualified directly and not going through uh, qualifying stage hell. So um, no, I think there are motivational problems going on. Uh, just sometimes approaches don't work out. Sometimes you have uh, you are forced to to you uh, be the more active part of a match. Sometimes it's, you are just unlucky because you're dominating but uh, still conceding a goal and that's it. And then you get only one point out of the match instead of three and you probably should have one free. But yeah, um, still it's, it's something I mean, something we need more analysis of, I guess, because this season uh, Dortmund struggled uh, in a way matches so constantly that yeah, that's not, not not sometimes it's it's just you know you randomly lose lose a match away and and then maybe you have some twas but yeah this season it's it's really obvious so yeah they only won wow. five out of seventeen away games so six that's, losses six draws which is for Dortmund's ambition yeah right I mean especially yeah yeah for for a team like Dortmund it's just not good enough uh it's uh, five out of seventeen it sounds more like someone who uh, a team that will end up at seventh or eighth or so. Um, so yeah, it's really something we should look into uh, more. Well, depth. Actually ev um, every, every team, uh, I think, I think Hoffenheim, Bremen, Wolfsburg, Gladbach and Leverkusen, they all won five out of 17 away matches and everyone else except Bayern and Leipzig have won less on the road. So it's not that bad. Dortmund are still the fourth best away team in the league but but they still right. could have done a lot better i think but but you still would think that sometimes playing away so not be you know i mean when you play the westfalen stadion uh, everyone expects and even the player expect from themselves uh that they you know have the ball most of the time uh instead of you know waiting and maybe being more like the the, the pressing team so Going on the road, you you would think that sometimes it's better for it's, it's easier for for the players for Dortmund uh, to work the pressing a little bit more to don't have to you know build up every minute and uh, trying a new attack every minute. Um, so yeah, but that yeah. cannot be the case in Augsburg. Come on, right, right, right. Yeah, maybe not in Augsburg, but five out of seventeen. I mean, gosh. Uh, where did they even win the match? Actually, Fifers. It's 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 really weak, actually. Um. So, I mean, they they even even I guess they lost at Darmstadt, right? Yeah. 
Um, the yep. famous, the famous one to you at Darmstadt. Uh, so yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's. I think it's something we should look more into uh, when the season's over. I think that's something yeah, we really. Will, we will definitely do that. <laughs> yeah, because uh, like what you can do is really, uh, look, you know, start at the beginning of the season, then look look through all the matches, and and maybe you know uh, find some patterns, uh, patterns of weaknesses. What happened? Sometimes, and it's not it's not always just you know lack of luck. There's more to it. Yeah, no, definitely. It also can't be luck that they're unbeaten at home for two seasons now. So, yeah, sure. Yeah, there there are certain patterns in there and we will find them and tell you all about it. Um, Lars, is there anything else to say about the Augsburg game? Um, I don't know, Sebastian Rode got subbed in at some point. I don't know. I think uh, Ginter did pretty well in lieu of uh, Weigel after his injury in defensive midfield. Oh, yeah, that's he had, right. Yeah, he, he, he hadn't played in a while. Um, I think just in general, Ginter has been fairly solid in the last few weeks, uh, which came at an opportune time with uh, Batra injured for uh, about a month after the attack on the bus. Um But I mean, just in general, the, the Augsburg game, you know, one of those days you don't really have to talk more than 10 minutes about. All right. Then I guess we can move on to the final Bundesliga match of the match. There's, of course, still the cup final coming up. Um, Konstantin, tell us all about Werder Bremen, why this will be a fun game for Borussia Dortmund and Bremen. Yeah, I guess it will be a fun match for both teams. Although you have to say that, uh, because Bremen lost, uh, the last two matches, their last two matches, uh, they have only a slim chance to qualify for the Europa League. And a few weeks ago, when you remember, uh, you really thought when they were on the one, uh, winning matches left and right, you, you thought they would, uh, you know, go into the Europa League, uh, after a, Yeah, really weak Hinrunde. Uh, that was quite a surprise. Uh, they, they looked like the team of, of the, of, of March and, and April. But because they are still vulnerable, uh, defensively, uh, which you could see in the last two matches. I mean, they conceded four against Cologne and five against Hoffenheim. So the, the end line against Hoffenheim was, was three to five, but just because of two late goals from Werder. Uh, which actually hurt Hoffenheim's chances to get to uh, third place, by the way. Uh, so that was really stupid on their part. Um, so yeah, what, so, uh, has two faces, right? Uh, you got, you got the attack of, uh, Kruse and Bartles, which is great, uh, great fluid strikers, um, number nines who can get involved in, in, um, attacking plays, guys who, You were more than just, you know, waiting up front, more, more than just center forwards. Um, on the other hand, and also, of course, Serge Schnappery as, as someone who supports them, he's back. Um, but on the other hand, Freeman is just, I mean, if their pressing works, then they can, can look decent defensively, but normally they aren't. Uh, normally they are too passive. They are raiding. They are uh, leaving spaces open. I would say they're too incoherent. I think that has been Werder Bremen's problem for I don't know how many decades now. That defensively they're always too incoherent. That the spaces between defensive line and midfield line, especially, don't always like fit. That there's too much spaces. You just said that's 
the one thing that I feel like is is a common topic for Bremen. Yes and no. I mean, they, of course, there now there are some some people who draw a line from you know back to Schaff days when when Werder was you know fighting against Bayern for the championship when he still had matches that they won like five to three or something like that. It was like a st standard result in a Werder Bremen match. But but I wouldn't draw the line from from then to uh, the year of 2017. No, of course not. That was a bit several here. several phases. Of, of a Werder Bremen's history be between, you know, the, the, the heyday under Schaaf and now uh, 2017 under Nuri, because, you know, remember there were also a few seasons where Bremen was just weak in all departments. Uh, although there were some, some, some phases where they just where they didn't concede uh, too many goals, but also didn't score uh, too many errors. I thought it was almost like boring Bremen, um, <clears throat> if you will. But uh, right now, as you said, yeah, leave spaces open, a big problem. Uh, also, two passive. Just watch the Ingolstadt match. Uh, I think one Ingolstadt goal was was, was hilarious uh, because the, the Ingolstadt midfielder just walked right through um, Bremen's formation. Just walked right through it because they didn't attack him at all. Um, yeah, um, I think Garcia is out for the for the Dortmund match, so we can talk about that. I, I guess it could, is a possibility that uh, Bremen will field a back five, by the way. So um, try to, you know, park the bus and then hit some counters, maybe. As I mentioned, Knappri, he's ridiculously fast. Uh, Bottles is, is very fast, and, and uh, Cruz is just a counter-striker because Uh, he knows how to move between the lines. He knows how to position uh, himself to be right in position uh, when it, you know, when when he has to. Um, so I guess that's a possibility that they will park the bus and then good luck to Dortmund. <laughs> yeah, Dortmund, of course, very susceptible to counterattacks. And you are right, or at least I, I agree with you that I find that Werder Bremen Uh, have a lot of individual quality when it comes to counterattacking intelligence. Let's put it this way, because uh, you see a lot of uh, counterattacking moves where teams sometimes even have a numerical advantage, however, bottle it because uh, they don't have the correct timing. And I think Feder Bremen do that quite well when they counter that uh, they exactly know when to play the pass and uh, when to dribble, when to take a shot, which uh, is, uh, yeah, not always... Uh, <laughs> The thing with Dortmund when they counterattack, I don't remember how many counterattacks they have bottled this season, but there were quite a lot where they could have done a lot better. Um, Lars, if we look at this Dortmund team, um, do you expect the famous return of Mark Batra? I think he's been in training long enough. Uh, I think they will certainly give him a chance to play. I don't know if he's going to start, even though I would like to see it. Um, I think Shine's definitely going to start because they need to uh, test him uh, before the cup match. I think uh, even though Tuchel has been going to Shine at times uh, without much uh, minutes, uh, I mean, remember back when he had his first game under Tuchel against Porto in the Europa League, he hadn't played a, a game in, what, 350? 55 days or so. So it's not out of the question, obviously, that Shahin's going to make his debut against uh, Frankfurt in the Cup, but I would assume that 
that he will start and he will probably not be able to play more than 60 minutes or so. Though I would then put Ginter on the bench and uh, to have him as the backup defensive midfielder because you don't want to have to bring Sebastian Rode on who's not played much himself. So that would probably leave uh, Bartra to start in central defense, which uh, in all honesty is probably also the best uh, backline formation anyway with Socrates and uh, Bartra and then either Schmelzer or Piszczek uh, as the third center back or maybe even Bender, even though he hasn't really featured too much in the last two or three games. Now that's... If you're a Dortmund player now and you know there's so many, so much on the line against Werder Bremen, but of course there's a title to be won on the following week. Uh, is there maybe something in your mind uh, that tells you to maybe not go too harshly into tackles so you basically shy away from some physicality in order to not get injured for the following week? Do you think this plays a role in the minds of the players? If anything, that's Uh, on the subconscious level, I think, uh, un unless, you know, I think a guy like uh, Marco Reus, who's uh, had some almost traumatic injuries in a few days or weeks before uh, huge events, uh, I think for him, that, that thought certainly crosses the mind at some point uh, ahead of the game. But I think once the the first whistle uh, blows, I think uh, you know you're so much in the moment, uh, and and then you know the the first time Zucrates goes into a crunching tackle and the entire yellow wall goes berserk, I think any of those thoughts are probably put right back uh, where they belong. Okay, Constantine, what kind of game do you expect from Dortmund? Um, do you expect them to basically do what they do in every home match, or do you think they might be a little bit more passive about things as they were, for example, like against Hoffenheim or Leipzig, where they, uh, you know, put on the counter-attacking machine a little bit themselves? Um, no, because Bremen is not equal to uh, Leipzig or Hoffenheim, quite frankly. Uh, and also, if Bremen really applies, employs a The really defense, defensive system, um, then what's the option for Dortmund? Just leave the ball somewhere at the halfway line, laying there. Yeah. Waiting for something to happen. Yeah. I don't know. That's really, and, and also, uh, against teams like Freeman, I think, of course, sometimes, yeah, I think Tokel prefers that his team is in control. Um, so if you have the ball, you don't concede a goal. Uh, that's actually. <laughs> logic um so unless no i, I don't I, own goal of course oh yeah I, I, unless there's <laughs> some horrendous back pass by uh ginto or butter or so right um no i, I think they will just be in control and, and try to break through uh various lines and of course there's always uh the danger that you could get hit by a uh, counter-attack but that's like we, we talk a lot about stuff like that right Uh, almost always when we preview these matches and it goes uh, goes up against a team like Bremen or even like a low-level team like Hamburg or so, we always uh, talk about, yeah, Dortmund will be in control, but maybe, maybe a counter-attack uh, will hit them and they will concede a goal. That's business as usual. Uh, but I don't think they will like apply too many counter-attacks because it won't be possible, very frankly. Yeah, 
I, I I'm pretty sure of that as well. And uh, you know, Dortmund of course could also concede from a set piece, <laughs> not only a counterattack. So those I feel are the only two options more often than not. But if we think back to the reverse fixture, uh, there was Werder Bremen having a lot of the ball and uh, some really good stints after Dortmund looked really, really great in the first 15 minutes of the game and then completely deteriorated and yeah, basically handed the, the game to, to Bremen somehow got a 2-1 win where they were rather lucky but um yeah i don't i don't know i think that game took place in january i don't know how much we can uh basically yeah project from this game now and on saturday's match so um last are there any players on the bremen squad dortmund have to keep an eye on and uh, we have already named their three men attack let's let's put it this way but there are there any other players where you think Dortmund should yeah give a special attention to them but the the interesting thing about Bremen is that their attacking force might be split up a bit because as Konstantin uh, mentioned Santiago Garcia is out with injury and then Robert Bauer got a really stupid fifth uh, yellow card against Hoffenheim late in the game I think um, so he's out as well Meaning they are short, uh, someone on the left or, uh, you know, a, a wide defender. They, they've used some three man defenses, some five man defenses. So I don't really know. Yeah. Caldi Roller is also out if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean, has he played the entire season? I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, So the, the only option would be either to play Ulysses Garcia, who hasn't played since I think a six nil defeat in February or something like that read that uh, on kicker today or you have to either put Bartels or Napri uh, on the wing as wingbacks and that would take a lot of uh, their attacking power away I mean uh, Bartels as Konstantin mentioned pretty good central player actually even though people think of him as a winger and him having uh, more defensive responsibilities would also obviously change how Dortmund can approach the game so I think we I think it's not uh easy for us to predict what Bremen are going to do, so it's even more difficult to predict how Tuchel is going to react to that, but if we're talking just about pure quality, I mean, uh, Kruse, the informed player in the second half of the season has been mentioned, Napri, hasn't he scored like 10 away goals this season, which is ridiculous for uh, any player, basically, and certainly for a 21-year-old who's really playing his first full season as a uh, first-team player at any level, uh, I think Yunusovic, if you're talking about the set pieces, uh, he's got a wicked right foot. This delivery is very good. Uh, even someone like Florian Kainz of the bench has, has contributed uh, some uh, this season. So as as you both kind of alluded to before, there there's a lot of individual quality in that Bremen side that Dortmund need to be wary of. But then again, I think we are kind of looking at this the wrong way when we only talk about Bremen. And let's forget that Dortmund uh, haven't lost a home match since, what is it? Is it March 2015 against Bayern? So Tuchel still hasn't lost the Bundesliga home match. And Bremen have also not only scored twice, at least in each of their last nine games, but uh, as we alluded to before, have also conceded 16 goals in their last nine matches, including uh, 11 in their last three and nine in their last two. So for every great attacking talent in Bremen. There's still uh, a Wiedwald in goal who's among the three or four worst starting goalkeepers in the Bundesliga, I would say. And 
uh, suspect backline, even though uh, Niklas Moisander is back, he was uh, suspended against Hoffenheim, but still, I mean, uh, we are talking about a must-win game for Dortmund, and uh, at home, uh, they've been, they've usually delivered the goods, so I wouldn't be too worried uh, uh, after listening to you guys talk up Bremen so much. <laughs> Yeah, that's usually what Bundesliga coaches do before every game. It doesn't matter if you're playing the worst team in the world. There, those coaches always find a way to warn their players in the news conferences of uh, the toughest game ever. Um, I mean, yeah, you're you're right. Werder Bremen have conceded ten goals in their last away games, so uh, Dortmund will certainly score a goal or two or three or four, maybe. Uh, you never really know. Uh, <laughs> uh, we looked it up before recording this that if Dortmund win by one goal, Hoffenheim need to score six or rather win by six goals against Augsburg to leapfrog them into th into third place. Um, Konstantin, there's also one race going uh, between Dortmund and Bayern. So that's Aubameyang against Lewandowski. Lewandowski playing against Freiburg and uh, is on 30 goals right now. Aubameyang on 29, do you think Aubameyang can win the Toyer Kanone? Or will he? Uh, I mean, he can, of course. Um, but will he? No, I don't think so. I, I guess Bayern will murder uh, Freiburg and Lewandowski will score one or two goals and maybe even a penalty just to get uh, you know... Just to rub it in Don't you, Don't you face. think... Don't you think Philip Lahm would uh, take a penalty on Saturday? I, I guess I guess the, the following thing will happen. Um, they will get a penalty against Freiburg because Freiburg will just be you know, out there and <laughs> uh, get, getting beat. Um, and yeah, they, they will offer Lahm the ball, but then uh, Lahm, as true skipper he is, uh, will give the ball to Lewandowski so he can win the trophy. Great, great cinema, you know. Yeah, can't wait yeah. to watch the film of that. <laughs> But maybe someone can make a film of how Leonardo Dede missed a penalty in his final game for Dortmund because he was crying so hard. Right, yeah. But that seems like an eternity ago. Well, at least not Dortmund missing penalties because they did that in their home match against Hoffenheim. Um, so, yeah, I also don't think that Aubameyang still has a chance as Of course, he has a chance, but I don't think he will win the Teuger Kanone just because his record against Bremen isn't all too well. Just two goals of Aubameyang in, in six. Meanwhile, Lewandowski scored 10, no, even 12 goals in 10 games against Freiburg. I know these stats are silly, but somehow, <laughs> somehow they, they, they work. I mean, Marco Roy is also always doing well against Mainz for some reason. Well, talk, talking about silly stats, Dortmund have won their last nine home games against Bremen. So what are we even talking about? And, and, and also Lewandowski played several years for Dortmund, uh, who we know uh, normally beats. The living crap out of Freiburg? Yeah, yeah, usually. I mean, yeah, that's what, what Dortmund does. All right, then uh, I guess it's prediction time. So we don't artificially draw this into eternity here. Lars, you go first. Yeah, I think uh, everything we've talked about suggests it's going to be Gold's Galore in Dortmund. Uh, and so I am picking the home side with a 3-2 win over Bremen. And uh, 
thus making third place because I don't see Hoffenheim scoring like eight goals against uh, Augsburg. Yeah, six would be enough, but yeah, I don't, I don't see it either. Not the way, not if no, when Dortmund score three goals, I don't think uh, Hoffenheim uh, are third with six goals. No, they aren't. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I, I have to get out the good old Tabellenrechner and then I can tell you. Anywho, uh, I also don't think that Hoffenheim will score even four goals against Augsburg when they set up the same way they set up against Dortmund, especially on the road. Anywho, Konstantin, what's your prediction for this game? Uh, 5-4 for Dortmund. <laughs> All right. So I guess I'm uh, going with 4-3 four, four for Dortmund. <laughs> That's the, the only sensible prediction then. Um. Yeah, one last thing before we get out of here, and that is that Marco Royce will not attend the Confederations Cup. Um, Lars, your two cents on that? Good decision, wrong decision? Perfect decision. All right, then. And, and it's also certainly, uh, sorry, uh, a good thing for whoever is going to have the honor of coaching Dortmund next season that only Ginter, who may very well leave the club in the summer, and Moderhut are involved in either the Cup of Confederations or the under-21 Euros. I think uh, Rafael Guerrero is probably going to Russia with Portugal, but I think they, they should have a fairly fairly decent-sized squad available relatively soon in the summer. And certainly if they uh, go through a coaching change, that would be a massive, uh, massive benefit. Yeah, now Konstantin can explain why it's a perfect decision for us to not go to Russia for the Comfort Cup and then we get out of here. Sure, so he has more time uh, to spend training with a personal coach or a staff of personal coaches, uh, actually, um, during the summer and get fully fit because he still isn't really... I mean, he, he looks to be, but I don't think so. He's maybe at, at 90, 95% or so. Um, and we know how injury prone he is and we know how just fragile his entire system is. Um, so, you know, competing during the summer or missing some, uh, some training days and also, you know, just working too hard because of the competition, uh, wouldn't help him actually. And his big goal is just to play one of these major tournaments, and the Contest Cup of Personal isn't a major tournament, to play one of these major tournaments, so the World Cup 2018 in Russia, um, so we will do everything that's possible to to get through the season, be fully fit, and then uh, play the World Cup. Because we know what happens the last time when uh, Germany, when he was nominated for the World Cup and for the Euro. And we just got through this episode. So, Konstantin, you can proceed and tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet. Yeah, on, on Twitter, actually. Uh, CC underscore E-C-K-N-E-R. And, of course, spielverlagerung.com, spielverlagerung.de. Yeah, thank you for joining once again, Konstantin. And thank you for joining once again, Lars. Where can uh, people find you on Twitter? They can find me at Lars Polman and as always, I will carefully select whichever links I want them to read or not. Yeah, you got the nice blue tick now, Lars. You're official <laughs> and authentic now. Yeah, I, I, I think this was the first ever Yellow Wallport episode with three blue tick people on. So hooray for everyone who listened to this historic event. 
yeah, we basically now have to give the the yellow wall pod Twitter handle, which is yellow wall pod a blue tick now. So, I mean, we are followed by Mark Bartra. I mean, that's that's as good as a blue tick uh, to me. Basically, basically. Anywho, you can also follow the Yellow World Pod on Facebook slash Yellow World Pod and check out all our writing if if we have something up on yellowworldpod.com. If you want to get in touch with us, do that via Twitter, Facebook or the contact form on our homepage. If you want to subscribe to the podcast in one way or another, do that either via your podcatcher, iTunes, SoundCloud or Stitcher. If you want to Follow me on Twitter. You can do that as well. At Stefan Butzko. You can find my written work mostly on ESPNFC. And yeah, that would be all. Next week, I guess we will discuss Borussia Dortmund's game against Werder Bremen and preview the cup, preview the cup final. So stay around for that. Goodbye until next week. <laughs>